You may be seated. As I was preparing for tonight, I was reminded of a, a sermon that Pastor preached last week saying, it's spiritual and not natural. And we need to be a people who see from a spiritual perspective. Recently, I've been uh, reading through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And, you know, as I, as I read through there, and I'm reminded uh, and you don't need to go there, but in 1 Kings 10, 14 to 29, it's highlighted the things that Solomon's great wealth and wisdom were. And let me just point out a few of those. You don't need to go there, but if you want to, you can. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 25 tons. Now, I had some people put some, a man put some gravel on my driveway and it was a pretty big pile and it was 26 tons and he's saying that every year Solomon got 25 tons of gold from those people who were giving gifts to him that almost buy some Cheerios wouldn't it and if you watch then follow on through there what he used that gold for was to make shields to fight with now I don't know who he was trying to impress but most, most shields are not made of gold, but his were. And then he had decorative, gold, or decorative shields that he hung on the wall that were also, they were smaller and made from that. And just for good measure, all of his drinking vessels were made of gold. And in verse 23, it says, So King Solomon surpassed all kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. So I want you to, to think about who we're, who we're listening to the words of tonight. And then verse 27, I, I, I thought this was kind of amusing. It says, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. Can you imagine having our parking lot paved in silver? As common as stone. And, and yet here, here is this man, and, and a few, just so you don't forget, it's going to be paved in pure gold up there, okay? So it's going to be on what he had. And, it, and the list just goes on and on how rich and how wise he was. And if you back further in 1 Kings three twelve, it says, The Holy Spirit says, There has not been anyone like you before you. And then it says nor shall any like you arise after you. And I'm sure most of you have read through Proverbs as I have, and, you know, I'm always amazed at the wisdom that's there. And you get done with that, and then you go and you read Ecclesiastes. And, and we're pretty sure that, you know, the Song of Solomon was probably written when he was young. And the thought is that most of the Proverbs came in more wiser, older gentlemen. But Ecclesiastes came at the end of his life. 
And he's talking about all the vanity. And we're, we're not going to get in through all of that tonight, but I just want to remind you, that's the guy we're talking about. And as I was reading this time through Proverbs, and I'm not sure how many times I've read it, a few, I was taken back as I was reading through it the number of times that I find reoccurring Proverbs. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, Lord, what, what is this? What's, what, what, why are we getting basically the same message over and over and over? And I think the, the Spirit just wants us to be aware of the things that are important and, and that we need to know what those are. And, you know, I, I thought of such things as it mentions the fear of God many times, and it mentions the, how we use riches. And, of course, here we have the smartest man or the wisest man and the richest man telling us those kind of things. But he also talks a lot about the poor. He talks about how you treat your neighbors. He talks about humility. It just, the list goes on and on. So what I thought I, what I've been doing at home is I've been taking the, making a list of those things that are very similar and, and seeing what they would tell us. So that's, I want to take you through some of what I've, have tonight, and, and you're welcome to go back to each one of these because I want to go through them fairly quickly. I want you to uh, hear what I'm saying and not necessarily try to find what I'm saying. You understand? You can, you can do it if you want to. I want to start in Proverbs 1.7. I think a very familiar. Now, if you're born again and you're upright, God has stored up sound wisdom for you if you'll search for it. And I think it's easy to search for it, if you will, by just asking other people or whatever. But God wants us to get in his word and search for it. He wants us to search for his wisdom. And it says that wisdom, and having that wisdom, he will be a shield to those who walk uprightly. Verse 8, he guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of saints. Each one of these would preach, Right? He preserves your way. How many of you don't think he preserves your way today? How many of you know he did? Yeah. He preserves our way. I want to go to Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Heaven forbid. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You think you know better than the Lord? Probably not. So, and it is, it's another place where I don't want to just read one. I, I want to go on. Verse 8, it will be health to your flesh. Now think about that. What will be? The fear of the Lord will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Who doesn't need that? We need that, don't we? Just think of the promises he's given us. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So that your barns will be full with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. That would have to be in there, wouldn't it? And, but it is important that we don't despise when, when there's things that we've done wrong, and he's correcting us. Nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the father, the son, and whom he delights. I, I get concerned about that, particularly from the father's standpoint. In this day and age, 
There are a lot of fathers who don't love their children. Have you noticed it? It's scary. And, and not only you know, do they not correct them, you know, that they make excuses for them being like they are. God help us. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her pro proceeds, her, you know, wisdom's proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And her gain than gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare to her. You know, we need to take an hour and just sit down and talk about what that says there. He, he's saying that we have everything we need. And, it, and it's more precious than, than anything that we want. Because God's wisdom is in us and it's there. Length of days is in her right hand. You want to live a long time? Seek wisdom. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain or hold on to her, hold fast to her. What's he talking about? The fear of the Lord. Think of all the benefits he's talking about there. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is, a, it is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate. 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want to be, want to be wise? Seek the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. You know, again, I have a reference in my family where there were sisters, some, of, some sisters chose to become Christians and their families are Christians, the others chose not to be. And by the time two of those sisters' children were 30-some years old, the whole family was gone, wiped out. Guns, drunkenness, cars, speed. You name it. Amazing. And he says, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. 1426. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. You feeling like you're out in the cold? Seek the fear of the Lord. He'll give you a place of refuge. 20, 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. The enemy comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That snare is what? A trap. If you want to be free of the enemy's traps, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. 1533, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom 
and before honor is humility. 16.6, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and in the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You think the fear of the Lord was something that was important to God, that he had Solomon write for us? I think it's pretty important. And I thought in the midst of that, I've got to pick out Proverbs 20, verse 2, because it's a contrast. It says, the fear or the wrath of the king is like a roaring lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. God gives you all these benefits. Man, who we fear, does what? <laughs> He's looking out for himself. And we sin against our own life. Proverbs 22.4 By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, riches, honor, and life. Pretty full life by humility and fear of the Lord. I'm sorry, there's still more. Proverbs 23.17 Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous. You know, have zeal, have enthusiasm for the fear of the Lord. All your days, all your life, make sure that you're zealous. Now, I don't know when he wrote that, but there was a time in his life as he grew older where fear of the Lord wasn't the thing he was zealous for. And, and I'm not sure how you can be zealous for fear of the Lord when you have hundreds of wives, but I'll let him worry about that. Verse 18, for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. You hear that? For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. One more. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. Our natural man fears man, what man will say, doesn't it? We call it political correctness in this day and age, but it's really a fear of what others are going to think of you and of me. So the fear of man brings a trap of snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is going to be safe. And that's so he didn't understand that. Verse 26, the next verse says, many seeks the, ro the ruler's favor. That's being politically correct, right? We want his favor. So be political correct, but justice for man comes from the Lord. You, you can be politically correct and have a short life. <laughs> there was another thing that kind of amazed me, and it, was, it struck me, I think it was last week that Chase spoke in the evening. He was talking about somebody coming to help them set up some of their retirement and some of those kind of things, and he was kind of frustrated with all that happened, and i just been reading this the day before, so here we go. It, well, not this particular one. Proverbs 10, 15 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city. You get that? So what it, what's it saying? The rich man trusts in what? His riches. I can think of someone who tried to make me rich once. And it's nice to be poor sometimes because I couldn't do what he needed done. 
I didn't want to do what he needed done. And it wasn't months until that whole thing had fallen apart. 19.2. It is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he sins who hastens with his feet. If you're running to something to get rich, be careful. Larry Burkett said if he was buying anything over a certain mount, he had a certain mount that if he was going to, if he was going to climb lumber, Bruce, he wouldn't, he wouldn't take along his checkbook if it was going to be over a certain mount. He had to wait a month. He put that on top of his list and see what was on top of his list another month. And he said, invariably, that thing I put up there I needed so bad that day when I was there was down low on my list later. And, and you know, that we, we, need to, we need to be careful how we, how we handle those things. So it's, it's, we need to be careful we don't hasten. 28.8. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion. In other words, kind of taking advantage of the rules. Okay? Gathers for him who pities the poor. Basically saying what? You're probably going to lose your shirt. <laughs> and you, and it's somebody else is going to make that money. Who's, God's going to give it to someone who's willing to help the poor. And, and I think we, you know, we'll talk more about the poor in a moment. A faithful man will abound with blessings. And he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. He who hastens to be rich... Now, when you're young, none of us want to be rich, right? We just can't hardly wait to get our hands on money. You remember the first dollar you made? <laughs> I went into a couple shops the other day, and both of them had up on the board, framed, years and years ago, yellow, the dollar bill, the first one they made. And they were going to get rich. And guess what? 30 years later, they're still working at the same place, Paying their bills, but I don't think they would consider themselves rich. Verse 22 of, of 28. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. And again, I can think of another situation where somebody had the best deal in life for me. Oh, well, let's go on. Verse 25. He who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack. So now if you really want to be rich, how do you do that? He who gives the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Be careful what you set your heart on. Be careful what you set your heart on. Change the subjects. The poor. And this is the one that really struck me because it just kept coming and coming. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor but the rich has many friends. Is that true? 
We can all think of situations probably, can't we? Verse 21 of 14. He who despises his neighbor sins. You want to be careful what you think about your neighbor. He talks a lot about our neighbor. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. That's assuming that the neighbor is a poor neighbor, right? Who, he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. Think about that. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. And I think in this day and age where we have corporations becoming filthy rich because they're, they have employees that they're not fully paying, it can't be God's blessing on that. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Not that United States companies did anything wrong, but what, what, what have we done? We've gone to the poor to make us rich as companies. Think about it. All those jobs that went to Mexico, you name, wherever they went. Why did they go there? So I can get rich because they're poor and they work for pennies. God help us. Proverbs 19.4 Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friends. Verse 6.19 Many entreat the favor of the nobility. That's, noble. That's that political correctness again, right? Get somebody in power, become their friend, allow them to be, help you do what you need done. If you've never been close to that in politics, it's, 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 it's amazing. Many entreat the favor of nobility. We, we've sent some pretty um, high-class, humble, good people into politics. And when they get there, all of a sudden they must become politically correct. We need to pray. Because some of them have determined they will not be that way. And sometimes their effectiveness is not what it needs to be in the political scene, but in God's scene it is. So many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. I'm always amazed. When somebody gives you a gift, how many show up? Free hot dogs Saturday, right? Verse 7 of 14. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they, excuse me, yet they abandon him. They abandon him. Verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. I love this verse. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he, capital H, will pay back what he's given. I'll bet we could get some testimonies of that happening. You know, you, you, you lend to the Lord when you give to the poor. And there's a lot of responsibility of giving to the poor, particularly poor in America. Because everybody in America who 
has her hand out is not poor. And they made themselves poor. But I thought about telling you some horror stories. When I was, we were down at New, New Life, we had a guy come through. He, he needed so much money to get to such and such a place. We had generous soul at the door. And he gave him what he needed. The only problem was in the paper the next day, he had been to four other churches and got the same amount. He didn't need it at all. He just was living off of Christian people's goodness. And I get, I get a little concerned. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against helping those who need, but I get, a, I get concerned when we help them so much that we, they become dependent on our help. Verse 13 of, of Proverbs 21. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. 22. Two. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord's the maker of them all. Verse 9 of 22. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. You got that? He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. You know, it's not wrong to help the poor. You just need to have God's guidance on who's poor and who you're to help. And the more, more money you have and the more that you have available, there will be more hands out for you and that being the case you need even more discernment what you're going to do with it and for those of us who employ other people verse 16 of 22 he who oppresses the poor to increase his riches I'm a you know I knew a situation where there was a man who always had poor people around him and I was um, I was having a little problem with it because I thought he was increasing his riches because of what he was, you know, using these poor people for. But I come to find out at his funeral, the people who streamed down there were poor people that he had helped. And here he would he have been doing it undercover so that we didn't know it, but in a way that blessed them and they, they appreciated it. Don't let your, left hand, your right hand know what your left hand's doing, right? He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. And I want to say to you, employees, employer, be awful careful here. Do not rob the poor because he's poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. And... In our day and age, we don't need to talk about where we're headed with all of the amount of um, difficulty we have with drugs and things like that. But basically, we have poor oppressing the poor, taking advantage of the poor, and making them become people that they never intended to become. Because it says in verse 23, the Lord will plead their case and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. 
drug dealers, you better read that again. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Proverbs 28.3. A poor, that's talking about a destitute person who, who's kind of made himself poor by bad choices and living poorly. Man who oppresses the poor, that weak person, that the one who is truly poor, is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Verse 27, he who gives, the poor, gives to the poor will not lack, and he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Solomon had his finger on a lot of things. God was showing him things that he needed to do. And then, it, and then verse 7 of chapter 29, the righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. The righteous considers the cause of the poor. And I think the job, our, 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 my toughest job, I think our toughest job is people who have the ability to, to give to, to others need to make sure <laughs> that we're doing what God wants. We need God's knowledge. We need his understanding to do that. Verse 14, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. God's concerned about the poor, isn't he? I want to finish up here. I just finished up Ecclesiastes a couple days ago, and as you get toward the end of it, it, it you know, there have been some uh, things that Solomon's finding out that all that stuff he had and all that gold and all that silver and, you know, is becoming pretty useless. But in Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, and we've used this time and time again, cast your bread upon the water, and what will happen? For it, you will find it after many days. It will come back to you. And Jesus had another rendering of the same thought. He said, if we're going to lay up treasures, lay it up where? In heaven, not here. Make sure what we're doing is for the kingdom's sake, and we're giving it there. Verse 2 of Ecclesiastes 11, giving, giving a serving to seven. Now, I think that means seven's kind of an unlimited whole number. And also to eight. In other words, go beyond. For you do not know what evil will be in the earth. So you don't know what's coming. So make sure you're laying up the right kind of treasure. And I'm reminded again of that Proverbs 19:17. Who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he and he, the Lord, will pay back what, what you've given. Verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 11: If the cloud is full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. Sounds like a bunch of gobbygook when I first looked at it, but, you know, he's basically saying there's going to be things happen. Things happen in life, and there's a lot of things you, you don't have any control over. And, but, but you do have control over some things, and here's what he's saying. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow. Now, 
This may not mean much to you, but to farmers it means a lot. You like to watch the weather this time of year, and if you know anything about forages and putting up hay for livestock for the winter, you should have been done two weeks ago, and we hadn't even started. And so all those forages are about, going to be about as good as a stick of firewood this fall because they're, they're you know, if you, let, if you let it go to head, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of lignin, and lignin's nothing but firewood. And so what he's saying is if, if you keep looking and say, oh, it's going to rain two days, I'm not going to do this. I mean, there comes a point where you just got to hear what God says. It may be raining, and I remember... <laughs> This wasn't a godly statement, but it was my uncle. My uncle says, we went down there and it's raining, and he's out there mowing. <laughs> and Dad said something to him, and he said, you can't get her up if you don't get her down. <laughs> and he got it up. So he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So if, if you pay attention to, to all that's around you, if you're not careful, you just pull yourself in and you say, I'm not going to handle this situation with the poor. I don't know what to do. You need to seek God and see what he says to do. Verse 5. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, so how or how bones grow in the womb of, of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of the Lord who makes everything. We don't know, but we can find out, can't we? God, God will give us the wisdom if we'll seek him as we'd seek for, sil for silver. It's a, you know, I think, I think Solomon's looking and saying, advising us against looking for the best deal. And it don't have to be farming. The best deal to invest in if you're watching anything on TV, there's a lot of guys who have a lot of advice on what you ought to do with your money, right? And probably they're all questionable. Verse 6, in the morning sow your seed. Here's his advice. In the morning sow your seed. In the evening do not withhold your hand. So he's saying, move forward. Make a decision, move forward, and when God prospers you, don't hold it for yourself. For you not know which will prosper. Whether it be this or that or whether both. And, and that prospering is a, you know, is a, a word that's used many different ways. But basically it's talking about enjoy your blessings and be rooted in the justice of God. So I, you know, I've got a lot of other ones here, but I'm just, I'm amazed that Solomon, smartest, richest man that ever lived, and if you haven't read Ecclesiastes lately, basically he's saying, everything I have is useless. It's vanity, he calls it. It's useless. There's, there's, it's no good. It's not going to help me. And when you... And, and let's turn to Ecclesiastes 12, the last part. I think it's important for us to see. I don't know where he ended up. I'm going to be looking. When I, if God's grace, I make it to heaven. I want, I want to see if he's there. 
he, he had a lot of wisdom, but he, he made a lot of mistakes. God said, told him not, not to multiply horses. And what did he do? He had more horses than anybody in the world. Told him not to marry foreign wives. He had, I think it was 400 wives. Besides concubines. He did everything. It'll be interesting to see where it, where it is. But somebody, in verse 9 of chapter 12, the last part of Ecclesiastes, somebody, evidently one of his disciples, if you will, wrote this in the third person. And let's, let's read it together. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Okay? He's saying... What he said was right. He pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. So he's saying, what, you know, what Solomon taught good. The preacher sought to find acceptable words and what was written was upright. Words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. A goad's a prod that you use to keep the Usually it's cattle, you, you know, usually an oxen. You use it to keep him where you want him to go, keep him in the road, keep it straight. Words of the wise are like goats. You ever feel like you, you wanted to do something and somebody says something or you read something and all of a sudden you think, I can't do that. I know it's not right. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given for one shepherd, capital S. And... And further, my son, be admonished by, by these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is worrisome to the flesh. He said he, he did all of this, and, it, and it, you know, it's unending what all he'd done. I, I hadn't thought about it, but he wrote more books except for Moses than anybody else in the Old Testament. But he said, this disciple says, let, let me summarize this for you. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. How many times have we heard that? Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. You know, if you will, you know, reverence to God and, and the being, uh, being obedient to what he gives is really all we need to do. For God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So basically, we're putting it in God's hands. And if, you know, as you read back through Ecclesiastes and you see all the vanity that he saw and, 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 and what he's saying there, basically he's saying, life's not in things. It's only in God. So... We're not of the world, right? We're spiritual. <laughs> I, I've got to take you one more place. Let's go to Titus 2.14. Titus 2.14. Sorry, I don't have this down. but Well, maybe I ought to go back to 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has, has appeared to all men, 
<coughs> teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In other words, you're going to be a peculiar person if you do what God says. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here it is. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own spatial people. Is he saying we're not going to make mistakes? He's saying we will, but, but God's made a way that we can have those taken away, have those washed from us. And this, this version says a spatial people. I think the other one says a peculiar people. I was talking to someone, and he is peculiar, and he was praying in a place where I'd have a rough time praying, okay? And I looked at him, or, you know, we were talking on the phone, I guess, at the time, and I said, you're a peculiar person. And he got real quiet. <laughs> he wasn't sure how to take that. Bruce, you're a peculiar person. It's okay. We need to be peculiar people. And we're... We're, we're going to become more and more peculiar as the end draws near. We need to be peculiar people. I think it was Peter that said we, he, he made us a holy nation and a peculiar people. We are a peculiar people. If you don't look different than those who are in the world, you better ask for God's help. Let's stand. Well, Father, you understand exactly for each of us and particularly for us individually what being a peculiar person is going to be like. And we won't all look peculiar the same. But Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I, I thank you that you remind us tonight, Lord, that being, having fear of you and not fear of man is important in our lives. And you remind us tonight that we need to be people who are aware of the poor and people who, who you will give direction of how we need to treat them. Help us to be people, Lord God, who don't have our minds on becoming rich, in the things of the world, but becoming rich in the things of you and looking for your wisdom as we would look for lost coin. And we give you thanks this night, Lord God. And fathers, we take us a few moments just to consider where we are and who we are. Lord, I, I just ask that you would, you would be the one, Lord God, who would speak to our hearts. And I'm sure that this night your word, Lord, has opened up places in each of our hearts where we need to consider whether we're doing what you want us to do, because we do need to be obedient people to your word. Let's take a few moments. If there are those of you who want to come down to the altar, uh, have the booth play a song.